Good evening. Welcome to Wednesday evening chapel. It is just good to see y'all here. Now, I grew up in southern Michigan, so I can say it that way. It is good to see you here. Uh, I want to see the hands of the folks for whom this is your first chapel service at Nazarene Bible College. Everybody else welcome them. I've said to as many people as I can, and I'll say it as often as I can, one of the privileges we have is to, sh is to worship in the same space with God-called men and women who are in the process of saying yes to God. Uh, and so, so next to you, behind you, in front of you, on the other side of the room from you is a brother or sister in Christ who's in the same kind of process you're in. They're saying yes, and they're willing to do whatever it is that God has called them to do. So be encouraged by each other's presence. Uh, speaker this evening is Dr. Gary Streit. Dr. Streit is the Vice President for Academic Affairs for the Bible College. Would you welcome him? Uh, our, as I explained last night, but allow me to explain it again, our theme for the year is Here Am I, Lord. And then each term we're going to just uh, adjust the phrase, modify the phrase, because I think it reflects what goes on in that passage in Isaiah. Uh, the fall phrase is going to be, Hear my Lord, purify me. Everybody see it behind me? Okay, say that with me. Hear my Lord, purify me. And it used to be, those of you who have been here a while, it used to be that we would say that thing, we'd say our phrase, and then off we'd go. But uh, this, is, uh, this is serious stuff to say to, the, to say to the living God, here am I. And then to ask him to purify us. It's possible. Amen? Amen. Amen. But I want, us to, I want us to enter into our worship services, our chapel services, with some intentionality. So we're going to say the phrase together one more time, and then just a moment of silent prayer so that we can tune our hearts to his. Okay? So say it with me. Here am I, Lord. Purify me. Let's pray. All God's people said, Amen. Stand and let's sing about this God. With every breath we have, Father, we declare your holiness. With every part of our being, we declare your holiness. Accept our praise. Accept all that we offer, we pray, cleanse it, make it fit for your use. Empower us to serve you. I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room who are beginning their journey. Remind them of your presence as they go. I'm praying for my brothers and sisters who are in the middle of their journey. Continue to remind them of, their, of your presence as they serve you. And I'm praying for my brothers and sisters who are in the final lap of their journey at Nazarene Bible College. Remind them of your presence with them, we pray. And help us to hear for your sake what you have to say to us through your servant, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated.
I could listen to a sing for a long time, but we don't have that much time tonight, do we? This is uh, Wednesday night, and classes began for the fall trimester, as I recall, on Monday, right? So that suggests to me that everyone in this room to date has a 4.0 GPA for this trimester. And I see no reason why you should not sustain that GPA for this trimester all the way through November or December. Now, I'm the academic dean. Some people would say that's an oxymoron to put academic and dean in the same breath. And, you know, it's my responsibility to oversee the academic program, but I cannot change your grade. And with all of the authority vested in him by the Board of Trustees and the State of Colorado and the Board of General Superintendents, Dr. Graves cannot change your grade. Guess what? Only you can change your grade. So tonight I want to talk for, with you just a bit about beginning tonight with the end in mind and talk to me. That's quite all right. Think about it. Destination is very, very important. For instance, if you want a Big Mac, you'd better head for McDonald's, not Burger King. However, if the Whopper is on your stomach's radar, then Burger King it must be. On the other hand, if waffle fries and chicken nuggets strike your fancy, you probably should head where? Chick-fil-A, but never, never on... You're good. 4.0. And here in Colorado Springs, if you crave ice cream, let's say you want Josh and John's home churn stuff, the expensive variety, you better go there, not to Safeway because you won't get Josh and John's at Safeway. And if you're craving an Oreo blizzard, then only Dairy Queen will do. Remember, destination is very important. Now, if the Strite family wants to go to the beach, we probably shouldn't head to North and South Dakota. But if we want to see the world-famous Corn Palace, Mitchell, South Dakota, it must be. If we want to go to Tennessee to see, or we, we should not go to Tennessee, rather, to see the Grand Teton Mountains, because we won't find them there. We'll find the Great Smokies. And if we, but we, if we really want to see our grandchildren, we don't go to the Grand Tetons, because guess what? They live in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, so we've got to head there. And if I want to play, let's say, soccer in Brazil, can you imagine that? I dare not buy a ticket to Hong Kong, although I think they do play soccer in Hong Kong. Destination is very, very important. Tonight in this chapel, let's think about, again, the concept of beginning with the end in mind. Uh, 
Let's think about building a house. Let's think about building this chapel. I, I rather contend that there are two different levels, two major levels in a project such as this. There is the first dimension, which I call the mental dimension, where you've got to have an idea, you've got to have a concept, you've got to get it together in your head, right? And then you start the bricks and the mortar, but you've got to know where to put the bricks and the mortar before you dig the hole. You've got to know it all. There has to be a blueprint, there has to be a map, there has to be a destination, a place that you know you're heading. Stephen Covey, in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, notes that the idea of beginning with the end in mind is based on the principle that everything we do is essentially created twice. Once in the mind, and then once we do it. So if you're doing whatever you're doing to, tonight in class, or tomorrow, or this week, or next week, or this term, it starts here. With a decision, a deliberation, an intentionality to do it. And then you do it. Take the construction of a house. Let's revisit that just a minute. You get every detail in your head. You know where you want the rooms, how many rooms you want. You know where the living room is, the kitchen, the bathrooms, the bedrooms, the sliding glass doors. And then you turn that over to a builder who in turn draws up a plan. And then he puts a price tag to the plan, right? And then you say, no, I'm going to keep renting. <laughs> but that blueprint that that builder designs is very critical for you in order for you to make an informed decision. There's an old carpenter's rule that says, measure twice, but cut only once. You better think it through before you cut the board. As you know, this concept is operational in many, many areas of our lives. Before you take the trip, we've already established that you have to determine the destination. Now, uh, we're in Colorado Springs. Let's say you want to go to Boston. Anybody from Massachusetts? Anybody been to Massachusetts? Anybody want to go to Massachusetts? How, how would you go? Well, no, if you were driving, what direction would you go? East and north. Now, you could get to Boston some other ways. You could drive to California, and then up to Seattle, and then over to Minneapolis, down to Chicago, up to Philadelphia. You could, right? That's why you'd fly. That's why you would fly. But that's not what you do, because before you got in the car and backed out of the drive, you would determine how you would go. We create speeches on paper before we give them. When we have to get up and do a presentation in class, which I suspect you will do, you think about it, and you plan it, and you take some notes, right? Please say yes. yes. Designers, before they actually construct or start to do next year's fashions, they have to know what it's going to look like before they thread the needle, right? So, we might ask what happens if there is not a mental creation? What happens if you arrive at Burger King to pick up your Big Mac? It will not be there. 
Under no circumstance is that guy at drive-up window number two going to run next door to McDonald's to pick up the sandwich for you. I know that. That has actually happened to me. Daydreaming, I pulled into one line thinking I had ordered this, get up to the, that's not what I want, I'm at the wrong store. They're not going to go over there and get it for me. Hear me today. Let's think about it. Whether we are aware of it or not, whether we are in control of it or not, there is a first mental creation to every part of our lives. A concept, an idea, a blueprint, or a mental image that precedes and dramatically affects the second creation or how that goal plays out in our lives. You are here tonight as living testimonies that you had a plan. You conceived a plan to be in Colorado Springs at Nazarene Bible College on the first day of September in the year of our Lord, 2010. I, 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 at least I don't think anybody's here just because you wandered in. <laughs> welcome if you did, that's okay, we welcome you. But I don't think that's how you got here. Now, as Christians, let's get into, let's spiritualize this a bit. You're thinking, what's all this goofy stuff about? Let's get spiritual here. As a Christian and as academics, because guess what, you're students, you're scholars, I believe that this idea holds true as well. Through the unique redeemed, and notice I'm saying the redeemed characteristics of self-awareness, imagination, and conscience, each of us is able to take charge of the first creation so that we wind up in the second creation. That's what the Lord has redeemed our minds to enable us to do. He doesn't want to do all the work for us. That's why he gave us brains, minds to cultivate. So then the question becomes, what end or ends are we talking about tonight here in this chapel? What are the ends that motivate you or that captivate you or that inspire you? Well, I want to pastor Kansas City First Church. Okay? Begin with the end in mind. So there's probably going to have to, something's going to happen, have to happen between tonight and that. In most respects, these ends today are not much different, by the way, from, from what people have hoped for for generations. We are not that unusual. Now look around the room. You may think we're pretty unusual. But guess what? Humankind have dealt with these issues from the beginning of time. I sum it up the way Thomas Jefferson summed it up in the Declaration of Independence. He said we're all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Right? Well, let's talk about that. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Let's add some uh, flesh and bones to that. What are some of your goals, your hopes, your dreams, some of those ends that we need to be thinking about tonight in order to get there in the second creation? What are some of your goals, dreams, aspirations? Say what? Okay. What else? To graduate? Come on. 
Fulfill your calling. Make a difference. Heaven. Win the lost. Great, great ends. Great goals. Great things to aspire to. Now, we could, we could take any one of those and talk about it in another chapel. But, let's consider one universal end that humankind, women and men from all generations, have probably needed to consider and have dealt with throughout the ages. And I would say that that has to do with the scripture or the idea of the scripture that we read in Matthew 6.33. The, the King James Bible puts it this way. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's an end. A seeking, something that we are trying to acquire. Some other translations of that verse, I think, give us some, some insights. The New International Version. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. The New Living Translation. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Ah, there's the, there's the zinger everything you need. The International Standard Version. But first be concerned about God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be provided for you as well. And then the message. Listen to this. Very interesting insight. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Amen. Now, let's think about that verse. All of this seeking first, the kingdom stuff. Sounds so simple. How many times have you read that verse? How many times have you claimed that verse? And then you think, well, all of these things were not added unto me. Where's my Rolls Royce? At it, Lord. And it is, if we, are, if we set about seeking first things first, or if we begin with the end in mind, I rather think that verse fits the pattern. The scriptures, the holy scriptures, the 66 books of the old and the new, the sacred canon, are replete with reminders to us all of the Lord's willingness to lead us toward those ends. The journey from Genesis to Revelation is indeed that very story, beginning with the end in mind, is it not? The creation, the fall, and immediately the plan to redeem humankind and to reclaim humankind through Jesus back to God himself. The story of the old and the new. In the scriptures we read Psalm 23 the leader, about the leadership of the Lord toward those ends. The Lord is my shepherd. 
Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he will direct thy paths. Romans 8, 14, those led by the Spirit are the sons of God. Galatians 5, 18, those led by the Spirit are not under the law. John 16, 13, yet the Spirit of truth does not lead people into confusion. In other words, hear me, we dare not let our feelings, those of the human spirit, keep us from following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, look at our hymn book. Not now. But uh, sometime, get out a hymnal and start flipping through the hymnal. It feels good. It has notes. Our hymns and our choruses and our gospel songs, our praise choruses, testify over and over to God's faithfulness in leading us to those ends in shady green pastures so rich and so sweet. God leads his dear children along. Where the water's cool flow bays the weary one's feet, God leads his dear children along. Some through the water, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the He leadeth me, O blessed thought, O words with heavenly comfort fraught. Whate'er I do, where'er I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. You know, sort of a country-western gospel song, Precious Lord, Take My Hand. Tennessee Ernie, right? Precious Lord, lead me on, let me stand. I am tired, I am weak, I am worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light, the end. Take my hand, precious Lord. Lead me home. God will take care of you. Be not dismayed, whate'er betide. God will take care of you. All the way my Savior leads me. What, what have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy, who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace divinest comfort, here by faith in him to dwell. For I know whate'er befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. For I know whate'er befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. He leads us. If we start with the end in mind. Bob Benson of Another Generation tells a wonderful story that illustrates so beautifully this principle of starting with the end in mind. It's simply called, Did They Hear My Vest? He says that he was invited out to a college to speak one day, and you always want to do your best at a college. There are, th those colleges are such rich reservoirs of knowledge and at least it seems they certainly should be when one considers how much learning the freshmen bring with them and how little the seniors actually take away. <laughs> Not at NBC, by the way. There was also the added disadvantage that he was in his hometown. You see, it, it takes about 500 miles for you to travel, for you to be viewed as an expert. 
So when you're talking in your own town, it's a little scary. So Bob says that he studied very, very hard and was really prepared to deliver a fine chapel message on that Christian college campus. So he put on, he wanted to look good, he put on his best three-piece navy pinstripe suit, maybe thinking that he could at least look like a wise man from the East. And he went out to the college and he spoke in chapel that morning. Now the students were very courteous. They seemed to listen. They smiled on occasion. They looked at him. No one seemed to be studying. And he was feeling sort of puffed up. Well, afterwards, a few students came down to the front to thank him for his message and to welcome him to the campus and small talk. And, and then all of a sudden, one of the students looked down toward his belly and said, well, look at that. And he looked down only to find that his vest was buttoned wrong. All the time that he had been standing up speaking in chapel in front of those 1,000 students, not to mention the faculty, the administration, and the president, he had been standing there with his vest buttoned wrong. And he was thinking the whole time that he looked reasonably important. And he thought then they must have thought or wondered where did they get this guy? who doesn't even know how to button his clothes. But since it happened, Bob Benson says, let me try to salvage a bit of my wounded pride and honor by philosophizing about what happened. It is not hard to button your vest wrong, you know. All you have to do is put the second button in the top hole or else slip the second hole over the top button. From then on, it's as easy as falling off a log. Because the rest will follow along slick as a whistle. All you have to do, friends, is start wrong. Ending wrong will take care of itself. Bob Benson goes on and he says, and do you know how I hear the words of Christ coming to me these days? Very simply. I guess they would have, be, they would have to be for me a 54-year-old 50, man who hasn't yet passed buttoning 101. But I hear him saying to me, I hear the Lord saying to me, there is just one way to button your vest right. There will always be a button left over or an extra hole when you start wrong. But if you begin right, if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, the Father and I will guarantee that if you start with the end in mind, the rest of all of it will find their rightful place. He says, if I could have told those college students anything that morning, I mean in a way that it really would have stayed with them, 
I guess it would have been about the business of starting with the end in mind. Because if you want to end strong, get the first button right. I don't know that they heard one morning of one word of my speech that morning, but this I do hope and pray. I hope they listened to my vest. Tonight, tonight, you have goals, you have dreams. You have things out there, you have destinations, ends in mind. And some of those dreams scare you spitless because they seem so big and so daunting. Well, where did you get those dreams? Why are you at Nazarene Bible College? You're here because you feel God has called you to be here to fulfill those dreams and those callings. Begin. Begin tonight. Begin this term. Begin for the rest of your life with the end in mind. Forget about those things which have been. <laughs> Think about those things which are before. and button the vest just right. I am persuaded tonight <clears throat> that the Lord Jesus wants each and every one of us to succeed. He is not into failure. I'm persuaded that neither life nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature can separate us from those ends through the Lord Jesus, who is able to do exceedingly abundant all that we could ask or think for us in our lives. God bless you. God bless Nazarene Bible College as we launch this term. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Dr. Streit says he doesn't preach, he just speaks. I beg to differ. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, we're all equal at the foot of the cross. Sinners saved by grace. And we do thank you for the wonderful gift, the plan to redeem us all and to restore us back to you. And Heavenly Father, tonight as we think of the potential in this chapel, we are just so excited about what you are doing in the lives of these women and men. And we would pray that your Holy Spirit would emblazon the truth of these words, that indeed, Father, we need to start today on a journey all over again, each of us, wherever we are in our walk with you, realizing that the end will be worth it all in this world and the next. Amen.